0: Our Hawthorne portion this week is Deuteronomy 16, and uh, Shoftim is the name of it in Hebrew, which means judges, Um, because where it starts out is all about appointing judges and um, the justice that they are to impart um, in in our nation. Our justice system is, is supposed to be based off of what is actually laid out here in the Bible because there's, there's kind of checks and balances and it starts at the local level and works itself all the way up to the, you know, what we have in our country called the Supreme Court. But in Israel, you go if you had the final decision to be laid out in something that was a hard matter to judge or to figure out, it would go all the way up to Jerusalem to the, to the priests that were there and even under the high priest. Um, and that got stated um, Soon after They uh, Left Egypt and went to Mount Sinai Because Moses was sitting there all day Having to judge the people And Jethro's father-in-law comes and says What are you doing? This is ridiculous it says, you know, appoint people to To work out these matters That uh, you don't get so worn out um, What's important To understand about this passage especially is because is that um, it has to do with legal ruling uh, and for meeting out sentences based on situations regarding the Torah that would arise, whether a person had broken them or kept them or an issue that had, had, had risen up. What you will be told oftentimes in, in Judaism is that this is the... Uh, one of the one of the points that they'll use to say um, the rabbis have the authority to establish halakha. Halakha means how you walk, meaning how they interpret you to keep a certain commandment. And so uh, that's not what's going on here. And that's also what you read in the New Testament where. Uh, they would go to Yeshua and they said, "How come your your disciples are trans- transgressing the traditions of the elders?" And he says, "How come you by your tradition transgress God's God's laws?" And so, what had with the the trickle down effect of what had happened at that time when Yeshua was around is they had put their interpretations and their practicing of certain commandments above an actual commandment, and so they would set set it aside. For instance. The Bible says you're supposed to honor your father and mother. And so part of that understood in there, uh, and that's part of the problem is, you know, if one, you need the Spirit of God in you to walk out the the Scriptures correctly, but when you have the Spirit of God, it, it, it leads you into all truth, and so you walk out the commandments with an element, hopefully, of common sense, which, which is by and large devoid of... Uh, oftentimes in rabbinic writings, because they want a black and white list of, of 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 things walked out, and and that's part of what why Yeshua graded against what was going on in the first century, because he came, and what we in the Christian movement tend to say, you know, you just walk by love. When he was saying walk by love, it means keep the commandments and walk them out in a way that shows forth the love of the father like a father would with his family. Not beating each other with it like a club. Not, you know, breaking down every minute minutiae to where you just make yourself insane about it and you're putting on your right shoe before your left shoe, you know, or certain things like that. If they were to be walked out with an element of common sense through God's spirit in you that would then um, work out... Um, love and compassion in the community where you loved your neighbor as yourself. And and that had gotten lost to such a degree, to come back to my original point, that their traditions were transgressing the commandments of God. So you're supposed to honor your father and mother. And what they would say, well, yeah, you're supposed to honor your father and mother, but it's actually more, more better. You get more bounty points with God if you take all your extra money that you would take care of your parents with, and you donate that to the temple. Then you really get a couple more points on your on your badge. And Yeshua says, you know, no, that's wrong. You know, your duty is to honor your father and mother and to take care of them if they're old and, and, and in in need. Your requirements to the temple were just your tithe. And, and so they had created ways... Of, around crafted ways, because that's what man does, is they we create ways to figure out how not to keep the commandments, basically. And we lose the heart of the commandment, the passion behind it. Uh, because you have to have what's called in Judaism, Halakha and Agadah. Halakha is just, uh, thus saith the Lord, the Agadah is the, is the motivation, and the heart, and the passion about it. In other words, don't work on the Sabbath. Or, Oh, it's so great to rest on the Sabbath. You know, praise God, he's given us a day off where we don't have to be slaving away seven days. Does that make sense? You know, you have the walking and then you have the the heart behind it. Uh, and they're both supposed to be one. They should not be divided. And they weren't in Yeshua. And that's why it's so important that we, we study his life and his example and how he lived and he walked because he's the only one that did that perfectly. And that's why he... He flew in the face of everybody and nobody could quite figure him out. And so uh, that's why it's so important to follow him. And uh, through his spirit working in us, he leads us and guides us into that so that we as a collective body of Messiah can function properly as an example to the world of something that's attractive because that's what he did. He attracted the throngs and the So because he spoke with authority. He spoke with uh, truth and... Blah, blah, blah. All right, I'm going off on a rabbit trail. All right, let's get into Judges. So, chapter 16, and it starts in verse uh, 18. So, Judges and officers shalt thou make thee in all thy gates, which Jehovah thy God giveth thee, throughout thy tribes. And they shall judge the people with just judgment. Thou shalt not rest judgment. Thou shalt not respect persons, neither take a gift. For a gift doth blind the eyes of the wise and pervert the words of the righteous. This is no more evident than in our world that we live in right now. Because our lawmakers, those who are supposed to represent us, they wrest judgment. They bend it. They tweak it. uh, They ignore it when it's convenient. They respect persons. If you, you know, are a big corporation, you get a lot more respect than your average dude. Uh, You get preference. They take gifts, and because of that, it blinds the eyes of the wise. And that's why we see in those days and age, and we, we sit back and we wonder, what in the world are they thinking? It blinds the eyes of wisdom. And so when... We transgress God's commandments, and we start to walk away from these simple things, what should be simple things, but they're not anymore. You you act under your own devices like Moses said, you know, let us not all be doing here whatever's right in our own eyes. And you blind the eyes of justice and wisdom, and so there is no more wisdom. And so chaos ensues. And, uh, and a pervert, this is really interesting, it perverts the words of the righteous. It it twists things around. And that's why in this day and age, so many of, of like even the word of God, which is righteous, and, and our words which we say and words that are used out in the world around us, they're 180 degrees from really what they mean and what, what how people should be acting on them. But because there's no more fear of God in our country, in our community, and in, in even in our own congregations. We, 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 we don't tremble in fear, you know and, and, you know the truth is, I was listening to a, a guy on the radio, and he was talking about I won't get into what he was talking about. he talked about that a little after. But you know, where do you draw the line anymore and what you stand up for? You know, the truth of the matter is, in the Bible, there's worth things suffering and dying for. But we have blurred that so much because we don't fear God anymore. We pick and choose what we want to do, we bend what he says, that then we devise our own our own version of God or our own idols in our life, and so now there's nothing worth holding the line for. And so we all go to hell collectively, you know, waving our banners of triumph. And and that's what's what's happening. And it's even happened in our own uh, messianic movement, uh, and, and, and all around us. And and because we won't hold the line anymore, and we won't say, you know what? There's things worth dying for. I bet you Peter would have starved to death before he'd eat pigs. <laughs> I bet you he would. You know, because I've often thought about myself, we say, you know, we say Torah is, is meant to uh, to preserve life, and I believe it is. But sometimes it's worth dying to uphold that we believe that what it says is true, so that so that the world can look and say, "Wow, that guy believed what he said he believed." But if nobody does that, what's the what world gonna see? You know, and I realize right now in our day and age, you know, we're not, you know, having guns put to our head and things. But one day, the day may come. And we have to have done the foundational prep work in our own hearts and lives so that we're not fearful. Because that's what he's going to tell them. He's going he's saying, when you go into the land, and that's what's happening right now. we got a whole millions. there's like something like six or seven million Jewish people in America. And, and none of them are going to go to uh, Israel because they're afraid of getting blown up or stabbed or something. You know, and I bet even our own people, most of them, wouldn't go because they're they're scared. Well, God says, "Don't be afraid. Go and take the land and drive out the enemies, because I'm with you, and I go you before you as the hornet to drive them out, and no man can stand before me." But we we give in to our, our fears uh, because uh, we we quenched the spirit that's within us. Um, so. they're not supposed to um, pervert the words of the righteous. Verse 20. That which is altogether just thou shalt follow. Why? That thou mayest live and inherit the land which Jehovah thy God giveth thee. So it's all matter of fact. You have to follow holy what is just, which is his word alone, so that you'll live and inherit the land. But the lie that we, we, we hear in our own heads and we get told from everywhere else is, you know, Oh, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, everybody would be blind and dead. Well, that's a bunch of, you know, I want to say a bad word. Oh, that's okay. a bunch of garbage. And we need, just, we need to say, no. The Bible was the first thing that gave us proper, equal, just judgment. You know, back in the day, if somebody, you know, he, he disrespected me, so I shot him. You know, that is unequal justice. You know, the Bible sets forth justice. Properly meted out because what we're going to read is you couldn't convict someone just because somebody said, "Well, he's a jerk," and I saw him do X, Y, and Z. You had to have two to three witnesses. You had to verify them, and then if they couldn't be proven and it couldn't be justified, and you didn't have the right sources and people acting on them. Then God gave another way to pres- to cover up the blood that whoever. Well, I mean, I'll jump ahead. Let's let's stay where we are. Uh, gosh. Okay. 21, thou shalt not plant thee a grove of any trees near unto the altar of Yehovah the God which thou shalt make, uh, nor neither shalt thou set up any image which I thought Yehovah the God giveth thee. So what does this have to do with justice and judgment? It has to do with what is the source that's giving you the basis by which you operate on things. So they would plant groves of trees because that was what the pagans and the idolaters did. They went and they worshipped and they frolicked under the trees. And we see the same thing, you know, going on in, in, in today's you know, earth movement and uh, uh, the pagan things that come in. And there's so much. It's it's amazing to me. And maybe it's just because I realize it all now. But but the forces and the and the influx of of straight up unashamed pagan vascodismists and whatever coming into Every facet and orifice of our life. Um, but we've been so dulled down to it, you know, we got, we're allowing our kids to read Harry Potter. And I'll admit, I ran, read the first book, but uh, that was wrong. I should not have. I wasn't allowed to. I was disobedient, actually. And uh, But the thing is, to a mindful of mush, as Russell and Baugh says... Powerful because there's there's a power from it that's not from God, and it influences and affects especially young people's minds, and that's so dangerous. And then on top of that, then we have so-called religious good, you know, Lion, rich in the wardrobe, BS that uh, blurs the line, which is almost something I worse. But and it's just it's just a gateway back right down into it, and and so again, you're left without clarity. And God says. When you go into the nation, or when you go into the land, you wipe all that out so that you can't even remember remember it. And so living in the diaspora, God knew we would be here and we'd be inundated. And that's why he said, if when you are in exile, you will turn to me and seek me with all your heart, soul, and strength, then I will return to you and I will gather you out of the nations. So he doesn't leave us. And then he says in Ezekiel, he says, I will be a little set apart place unto you wherever you are, you know. So he doesn't leave us without hope. He doesn't leave us um, to just kind of you know fly by our, the seat of our pants and figure it out. He's there with us and guiding us, and that's why we have his word because that's what he's preserved for us all through the millennia. All right, let's keep going. So they weren't supposed to set up trees. And they weren't supposed to set up any other image, which Yahweh God hateth. Why? Because it would be another foreign influence in their life, and they weren't supposed to have any foreign influence in their life. You know, they they, they didn't divide between well, that's politics and this is real life, you know, and there, or that's politics and this is you know what I do on Shabbat or what I do on Sunday. You know, there was no delineation of, of things how we how we tend to in our Western mindset splice and dice and split everything up into cute little boxes. You know, the Bible, you know, your 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 life is. Your whole life is serving and obeying God and worshiping God and what you do. All right, so, and there's really severe consequences for disobedience. 17, basically what we're going to read unto you, uh, uh, (laughs) I'm looking at it. What we're going to read here is what God says is, don't set up any foreign gods or any abominable images. And if anybody tries to tell you, hey, let's go serve one of these other gods or, 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 um, Tries to lead you away or, or, or alters God's word a little bit. You're supposed to search diligently and bring forth that person or woman and uh, under thy gates, which is where judgment was made, and the rulers and the leaders of, the, of that community stood, and they were to stone them and die. And uh, they had to bring two or three witnesses, so they couldn't, you know, that way you couldn't um, falsely accuse someone. And it it's bad to be a false accuser. <laughs> I wish we had that law enforced today, where if you falsely accuse someone, and they found out that you falsely accused something, whatever the penalty for that person was going to be, you would have to have that penalty. And that would put a little bit of fear back into the people. And, um, but unfortunately, we don't have that in our godless nation. All right. Uh, where are we? Where do we want to go? Do, 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 do. Yeah, I know. Where are. All right. Uh, so then we get into like verse eight, and it talks about um, if there's a like I was saying before, if there's a matter too hard to judge, they would take it to Jerusalem, and they would and they would uh, figure it out there. Those rulings of of uh, transgressions being hap- happening, and then when we go on to um, seventeen and verse fourteen, you get the rules for the kings, um which is fascinating because we get it laid out by Moses right here. Um in uh let's start in verse fourteen. When thou art come into the land which thy God giveth thee, and shall possess it, and shall dwell in there and shall say I will set a king over thee, like as all the nations that are about me, then shall uh thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom Yehovah the God shall choose. One from among thy brethren shall thus thy king over thee. Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. And he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return turn to Egypt. So all these things that we're going to list here is things that Solomon and or other kings did, which basically led to the demise of Israel and eventually the carrying away captive of the Northern Kingdoms to Syria um, by the or by the Assyrians and um, the the fall of Jerusalem and uh, carrying away captive to. Um, uh, Babylon and then afterwards even when they got back uh, they, they still did the same things and that's why Israel as a nation has been in and out of this constant flux of, uh, of, of chaos and foreign rulership because they have not kept God's word and when they don't the natural ramifications of, disobe- of disobedience is, is punishment it's just the way that things work and so that's what we see So it's not supposed to multiply horses Which Solomon did Nor cause the people to return to Egypt um, Solomon married uh, Pharaoh's daughter and, um, and, and part of all that you're not, He said you're not supposed to return to, to Egypt 17 Neither shall he multiply wives to himself Which all of the kings did uh, Why? That his heart turn not away Neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver or gold, which is also what Mo, uh, Solomon did. If, when you read about, it, we were just reading about it. With torn, you know, they they stopped counting it because they had so so much, you know, gold and silver, and it was brought in ships from from all over the place. Queen like, or, or, yep. Uh, Eighteen, and it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of his law and a book out of that which is before the priests. And the Levites, and it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear Jehovah his God, to keep all the words of this law, and these statutes to do them, that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, and that he turn not aside from the commandment, to the right hand or to the left, to the end that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. So, God was really serious about how a king was supposed to conduct himself. He wasn't supposed to be lifted up, up, up above his brethren, which was what ended up happening. And uh, pro- probably basically from David on, it was it all went downhill. <laughs> David made his own mistakes, that's for sure. And uh, so he was supposed to write his own copy, and he was supposed to read it all the time, so that he would fear God and then rule justly. And... And I think the same really should, should go for us because it's a good model. And it's good, and the, the same principles lie true that, maybe not write your own copy, but at least read it and be in it every day and study it and know it so that you can lead your own household properly and correctly uh, and fear God that, that he may bless accordingly. Because it's, it's all the same models from, from God as a father, uh, God as a husband, uh, the king is supposed to be like a father figure, husband to to the nation. And when they don't do what they're supposed to, it all gets messed up and falls apart. And so they were supposed to write it and read it diligently that they may good be, be good leaders instead of exploiting the people uh, for their own gain, which is what most often happened. Alright, then we go to um, 18 and it talks about the Levites and how they're set apart and they are... Um, they don't get any land or their property. They are uh, they are inhe- God's inheritance, and so they um, they have a specific job to do. They get uh, how they live is they they live off basically the offerings and the sacrifices and the uh, first fruits that were brought in from all over the land, and so God that's how God preserved them. Um, and then God goes on and says in verse nine, He says, "You are to be." When thou art coming in the land which Yahweh God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you any one that makes his daughter, son or daughters to pass through the fire, or that uses divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, a charmer, a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination to Jehovah because of these abominations, Jehovah thy God, to thrive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with Jehovah thy God. I just find that verse so fascinating. You know, God demands perfection. So, but what's interesting to me is um, I, I, I think that built into that it's, I believe that that is a contextual, contextual statement Meaning When we tend to think perfection It means completely without error But when we read about David you know, God says his heart was perfect towards me And so Built into God's law and God's Torah are ways to deal with sin Because God knew we were sinful And so he created a way to deal with that And to redeem us out of those sins And to provide for us that we not die in our own sins And so I, I, per, I think that within that statement You shall be perfect means Keep my laws and my ways Which, which, which gives you methods to deal with When things don't go the way they're supposed to and uh and so you know because a lot of people say, well you know the law is a burden or the Torah you know you know didn't deal with sin but It really did, built within it, were ways to deal with sin that pointed to everything that Yeshua, the God himself, was going to do, come down one day and do for his people to take away their sins. And so to be perfect doesn't mean to live a flawless life. It means to trust in the God who saves you, seek after him, and do what is required of you to be in fellowship and in his presence because he made a way for that, to reject that way and to reject that which is is to be found at fall, which is an abomination, which is to seek another way, because only through God's provisions were you saved from death and from separation, from being kicked out of his covenant people and his community. And so I believe that that's what it means to be perfect, and I think that's why it falls on the heels of don't do any of these things what the nation says. Don't take away from my word. Don't change my holidays. Don't change the day that I'm supposed to rest. Don't change what you whatever you want to eat, whatever you want to wear, how you want to act to your neighbor, how you want to treat your animal. Do what I tell you to, and then you will be perfect. And so I think God's people can be a perfect holy people because he has given provisions to deal with us in our fallen state. Because he knew that would happen. And knowing that, he made these ways which pointed to, towards Yeshua. What he would do to come to cover over those sins of his people. So that they could be holy and righteous and acceptable for him. And a people that he could dwell in, in amongst. Even though we're, we're not perfect. Even though we don't do what's right all the time. He takes that upon himself. And doesn't reckon it to us when we believe and trust in him as our savior and so that's why I, you know we te- I, again in, in our western mindset they tend to look at things and you see you know be perfect which you know you have to again define it by how the, the bible defines things He because we can't rely on our, what we've been taught from our, our common culture so then he goes on to say Uh, which I believe is a prophecy of Yeshua, is this rising up of this prophet who will come and who will teach his ways. So in verse 15, he says, Yehovah thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee of thy brethren, like unto me, and unto him ye shall hearken according to all that thou desirest of Jehovah thy God in the day of Horb in the day of assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of Jehovah thy God, neither let me see the great fire any more, that I die not. And Jehovah said unto them, They have well spoken which they have spoken. I will raise up them a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I command them. And it shall come to a pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name. I will require it of him. And So, again, that's what Yeshua said over and over. I don't speak my own <coughs> words. I speak the words of the Father. And so that's why he could say, whoever denies me denies the Father. If you have seen me, you've seen the Father. If you trust in the Father, then you will trust in me, because I come not of myself; I speak not my own words. The words of the Father I speak. And he, and it seems like he says the same thing eight ways, rearranged different ways. Because God, that's what good Hebrew thing does. You repeat things over and over and over and over. Because what? That's parenting. <laughs> it never ends, seemingly, and. Uh, And so that's why he says these things, and that's why I believe that it says, don't follow the nations, be perfect, the prophet's going to be coming, keep his words, because he's only saying what I've already told you to do, and if you don't, I'm going to require of you. And then he goes on and says, but the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or shall speak in the manner of other gods, even that prophet shall die. And if thou say that, how shall we know the word that Yehovah hath not spoken. When a prophet speaketh in the name of Yehovah, or the thing falleth not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which Yehovah hath not spoken. But the prophet has spoken it presumptuously. Thou shalt not be afraid of him. So you only fear God, and you fear his word alone. Okay, so then in 19, continuing on, you have the passages of the refugee cities, which we've spoken of before. They were to set up three inside the land, and they were to set up um, They were supposed to set up three refugee cities inside the land, and then there were, uh, well, I should say uh, the land beyond the Jordan. And then they set up three more cities on the land on the other side of the Jordan where uh, uh, Gad and Reuben and half the tribe of Manasseh uh, resided over there. And they were cities where... um, typically the Levites, not typically, it was also Levite Levitical cities, and so they would uh, be these cities of refuge where if you accidentally killed someone, you would go and you would have to stay there until the high priest died. Because again, blood that is shed, it doesn't matter if it was on accident or not, it still has to be paid with, paid for by shedding of blood and by death. And so the high priest, representing Yeshua, would cleanse away the consequences of uh that shedding of blood on on accident and if that person didn't stay in the refugee city and uh would leave the revenger of blood which was a family member had rights to track him down and to kill him because he was supposed to stay in that city and um so those were the refugee cities um and then when they would do these um Investigations as to whether or not you had to have two to three witnesses, and you, um, and, and then we also read about in here the penalty for the false witnesses, uh, which is down uh, so in verse. Six. 16, if a false witness rise up, we're in chapter 19, verse 16, if a false witness rise up against any man to testify against him that which is wrong, then both the men between whom the controversy is shall stand before Jehovah before the priests and judges, which shall be in those days, and the judges shall make diligent inquisition. And behold, if the witness be found false and hath testified falsely against his brother, then shall you do unto him as he saw, thought, To have done unto his brother, so shalt thou put the evil away from among you. And those which remain shall hear, and fear, and shall henceforth commit no more any such evil among you. Thine eye shall not pity, but life shall go for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. In other words equal justice under the law was what this was saying which was not a common thing at the time. The common thing at the time was you had this uh, maniacal king and basically whatever he said and whatever his you know his uh, revolutionary guard said, you know they could do whatever they wanted and they had free reign. but whereas God says no, you know we are a nation of laws, you know we're a nation of, of my rules and you keep them no matter who you are, including the king. And so then we go on to uh, chapter 20. It talks about uh, going to battle and how, uh, let's read here. He says um, the police would go on before them and, well, uh, let's just read a little bit, I guess. 2, chapter 20, verse 2. It shall be when you are come nigh unto the battle. That the priest shall approach and speak unto the people, and say unto them, Hear, O Israel, ye approach this day unto battle against your enemies. Let not your heart faint, nor f- fear not, and do not tremble, neither be ye terrified because of them. For Jehovah your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. And the officers shall speak unto the people, saying, What man is there that has built a new house, and hath not dedicated it? And six, planted a vineyard, and hath not eaten of it. Verse seven, hath betrothed a wife, and not taken her. Eight, what man is there that feareth and is faint-hearted? Let him go and return to his house. Let his brother's heart uh, faint as well as his heart. And it shall be when the officers of and end up speaking unto the people that they shall make captains of the armies to lead the people. So they would gather everybody up, and they would say, Did you just get married? Go home. Did you just plant a vineyard and you haven't eaten of it? Go home. Um, did you just build a house? Go home. Uh, is there a man that's really, uh, you're afraid? Go home. And so you're left with only the strong, basically, only the good people. And then from them, they would pick captains to lead the people into battle. And then they go on and they give rules for... um they were, when they went into battle, they were supposed to kill all the males, but the women and the children, they were supposed to save alive, and the cattle and the spoil they could take for themselves. Except for the nations that were within the land that they were going in to conquer, the Amorites, Hittites, the Hezites, the Zebusites, and the Mosquito Bites, they were supposed to kill all of them and leave nothing alive and wiped out. Uh, and he says... Um, Seventeen, But thou shalt utterly destroy them, namely Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, Yebusites, as Yehovah thy God hath commanded thee. That they teach you not to do after all their abominations which they have done unto their gods. So should ye sin against Yehovah your God. And then he says if you uh, attack a city for a long time, don't cut down the trees because they are what... Give you food and in life, whereas usually what would happen when a, a country or a nation, uh, an army would go in against another country, they would they'd wipe out everything and wipe out the food supply, and they weren't uh, Israel was not supposed to do that. And uh, okay, and then in twenty one, and this is where we finish up. Um, uh, you have the person who is they found they find a dead guy in a field. So for instance, um. In Dunbarton, there was a suspicious death. And so uh, nobody knows who... So it could have been a murder. She could have died on her own. But but it... Or, well, no, it'd be specifically somebody who's slain. But they can't figure out who did it, you know. And they can't find the murderer. Well, you still got to do something about it. You can't just have the hazmat team come over, clean it up, and then go about your merry way. Because it, the blood defiles the land... And right now, the whole world is defiled with blood. And that's why God will have to uh, cleanse it. And so, what they would have to do is, they would take the priests and they'd take a heifer, and they'd bring it down. or well, what they would do, they would actually measure what town was closest, you know. And so, as in Dart uh, the select men need to go down, they have to take a heifer, they have to cut off the heifer's neck, and... Um, and it was the priest that would do it of this city. And they would say in verse 7, They shall answer and say, Our hands have not shed this blood, neither have our eyes seen it. Be merciful, O Jehovah, unto thy people Israel, whom thou hast redeemed, and lay not innocent blood unto thy people of Israel's charge, and the blood shall be forgiven them. So shalt thou put away the guilt of innocent blood from among you, when thou shalt do that which is right in the sight of Jehovah." So there is still the guilt of the innocent blood, and it had to be dealt with and put away with. And so this was the method that God would um, prescribed for them to do with. Um, and that's why it's so egregious how uh, shedding of innocent blood with abortion and um, you know murders in our land, you know our our and, and the same thing is over in Israel. I mean, the, the, our land is just polluted with blood. And that's why I went and said in Cain and Abel and. Um, when Cain slew Abel and God said, his blood cries out from the ground. Uh, it's because the, the life is in the blood. And so when the blood is shed, there has to be a, uh, an equal exchange for that, basically, to cover over that so that you know the guilt is, is dealt with, the sin is dealt with. Okay, now, let's go to our Hoffa portion. Which is in Isaiah fifty one. So we're gonna read this, it's not it's not that long. So it's Isaiah fifty one twelve through fifty two twelve. Uh, and then uh, chapter 52 is, has a couple of my favorite, most favorite verses in the Bible. So we're going to read this. All right, Isaiah 51, verse 12. I, even I am he that comforteth you. Who are who art thou that thou shouldest be afraid of man that shall die, and the son of man which shall be made as grass? And forget us, Yehovah thy maker, that has stretched forth the heavens and laid the foundation of the earth and has feared continually every day because of the fury of the possessor, po- oh, Oppressor, as if he were ready to destroy. And where is the fury of the oppressor? The captive exile hasteneth that he may be loosed, and that he should not die in the pit, nor that his bread should fail. But I am Jehovah thy God that divided the sea, whose waves roareth. Jehovah of hosts is his name. And I have put my words in thy mouth, I have covered thee in the shadow of mine hand, that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth, and say unto Zion, Thou art my people. Awake, awake, stand up, Jerusalem, which hast drunk at the hand of Yehovah the cup of his fury, thou hast drunk in the dregs of the cup of trembling, and wrung them out. There is none to guide her among all the sons whom she hath brought forth. Neither is there any that have taken her by the hand of all the sons that she hath brought up. These two things are come unto thee. Who shall be sorry for thee? Desolation and destruction and famine and sword. By whom shall I comfort thee? Thy sons have fainted. They lie at the head of all the streets as the wild bull in a net. They are full of the fury of Jehovah the rebuke of thy God. Therefore, hear now this, thou afflicted and drunken, but not with wine. Thus saith Yehovah, thy God, the God that leadeth, uh, pleadeth the cause of his people. Behold, I've taken out of thine hand the cup of trembling, even the dregs of the cup of my fury. Thou shalt no more drink it again, but I will put it in the hand of them that afflict thee, which have said to thy soul, bow down that we may go over. And thou hast laid thy body as the ground, as the street to them that went over. Uh, These are my favorite verses. Awake! Awake! Put on strength, O Zion. Put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For henceforth there shall no more come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake thyself from the dust. Arise and sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose thyself from the bands of thy neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus saith Yehovah, ye have sold yourselves for not, and ye shall be redeemed without money. For thus saith the the Lord Jehovah my people, went down aforetime into Egypt to sojourn there, and they seer and oppress them without cause. Now therefore, what have I here, saith Yehovah, that my people is taken away for naught? They that rule over them, to make them house, saith Yehovah, my name continually, every day is blasphemed. Therefore my people shall know my name. Therefore they shall know in that day that I am he that doth speak, behold, it is I. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. Thy watchmen shall lift up together with a voice, together they shall sing, for they shall see eye to eye when Yehovah shall bring again, Zion. Break forth into joy, ye sing, together ye waste places of Jerusalem. For Yehovah hath comforted his people. He hath redeemed Jerusalem. Yehovah hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Depart ye, depart ye go ye out of thence. Touch not uh, touch no one clean thing. Go ye out of the midst of her. Be ye clean and bear the vessels of Yehovah. For ye shall not go out with haste nor by flight. For Yehovah will go before you. The God of Israel will be your reward. Hey, anyway, can't wait. I, that's part of the reason why I, I renamed the congregation Zion Hebraic congregation because Zion really is the people of God they're the mountains in Jerusalem but they but it says you know you will see Zion coming the, the watchmen will see um, for they shall see eye to eye when Yehovah shall bring again Zion it be you know, Jerusalem and Zion, the temple, all of these things are physical things, but they are also references to God's people. And he will rebuild the temple, he'll rebuild his people, he'll purify Jerusalem, he'll purify his people, he'll bring again Zion, he'll bring his people into Zion, and uh, and judge the earth in the process. And so, I just love these, these beautiful passages and words that speak uh, of things that, God will and, and is doing. Alright, now let's go to our Apostolic Scripture passage which is in Matthew 6 and uh, 47, 26, 47. So this is where um, right after Yeshua and his disciples uh, are in the upper room and uh, they eat the meal together and then they go out to the garden and Judas is going to betray them and then Yeshua's going to be taken captive and um, so that's what we're going to read about. Uh, 47, and while... He yet spake, lo, Judas one and twelve came with a great multitude of swords and staves from the chief priests and the elders of the people. And now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whosoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Yeshua and said, Hail, master, and kissed him. And Yeshua said unto him, Friend, Wherefore art thou come? And came they and laid hands on Yeshua and took him. Behold, one of them, which were with Yeshua stretched out his hand, drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear then said Yeshua unto him put up again thy sword unto its place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels but how then shall the scripture be fulfilled that thus it must be in that same hour said Yeshua unto the multitudes are ye come out against me as a thief with swords and saves to take me I sat daily with you, teaching in the temple, and you laid no hold on me. But all this was done, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. And they that had laid hold on him, led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him afar off into the high priest's palace, and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now the two priests, elders, and all the council sought false witness against Yeshua to put him to death, but found none. Yea? Though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. At last came two false witnesses and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it that these witnesses answer ans- against thee? But Yeshua held his priest and- peace, and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be Messiah, the Son of God. And Yeshua said unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He hath spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of any witnesses of witnesses? Behold, now ye have heard his blasphemy. What think ye? And they answered and said, He was guilty of death. Then did they spit on his face and buffeted him, and others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy, unto us, Messiah, who is he that smote thee? Now Peter sat without the place, and the damsel came unto saying, that was also with Yeshua in Galilee. But he denied them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out on the porch, another man saw him, and said unto him uh, that were there, This fellow was also with Yeshua of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I don't know the man. And after a while they came unto him, they that stood by, and said to Peter, Surely thou art also one of them, for thy speech betrayeth thee. Then began he to curse and swear, saying, I knew not the man. Immediately the cock crow, and Peter remembered the words of Yeshua, which said unto him before the cock crow, "Thou shalt deny me thrice." And he went out and wept bitterly. And when morning was come, all the chief priests and the elders took counsel against Yeshua to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him unto Pontius Pilate, the governor. When Judas, which had betrayed him, then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priest, saying. I have sinned, and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to it. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple, and departed, and went and hanged himself. And the chief priests took the silver pieces, and said, It's not lawful for to put them into the treasury, because it is the price of blood. And they took counsel, and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Wherefore, the field is called the field of blood, Unto this day, then was the prophecy, uh, then was fulfilled that which was spoken by the prof, by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them for the potter's field, as Yehovah appointed me. And Yeshua stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Yeshua said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused to the chief priests and the elders, he answered nothing. So there is uh, what happened with Yeshua after the after their last supper, and how um, he then went out. And what I what's interesting to me, not really interesting. I don't. The but how it says over and over that the prophecy, which the prophets prophesied, would be fulfilled. All these things were spoken of foretold of, um, and those who had the Spirit of God within them could see these things taking place and understood what was uh, happening, at least afterwards anyway, and um, knew that he was the Messiah. And uh, the chief priests and the scribes, they did not operate even unto the, according to the Torah in putting him to death, for they had false witnesses, and the causes of which they uh, condemned him were not even, were not even just. But it was uh, prophesied such that that would be the case. And thus it was fulfilled. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father God, I thank you so much for your word in this day, the Sabbath, that we get to be together, study and read your word. Uh, just uh, burn it into our hearts and minds that we walk it out, fulfill it and do it, and that we uh, are continue as the lights that we're supposed to be for you, Father. Thank you for all these things. In Yeshua's name, amen.